his name is Shredder. He loves all living things. He's going to treat them well. He's going to be, you know, chauffeur them to wherever they need to go. Hello, Shellcast listeners. Welcome back to another stunning, amazing, thrilling episode of your favorite Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles podcast. I'm your host for this episode, John, and with me as always are my brothers, Dandy Andy and Chris the Dish. Andrew, how's it? How's it going? It's going. Quick turnaround between episodes, but got another pretty good one. I don't know if it tops the last episode, but uh, Invasion of the Punk Frogs. I liked it. Good. Chris, how's it going? Good. I realized just now I'm wearing the same shirt I wore last episode. Well, <laughs> different shirt, but same shirt. It's a work shirt. So it would have been embarrassing, but what are you going to do? It's working, man. I think for the first like three episodes, I wore the same outfit. So it's fine. <laughs> I do, before we get this kicked off, though, I have a question that I want to ask you guys, which has nothing to do with the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. But I'm curious as to what your answer would be nonetheless so how many seagulls would you have to find in your house before you got suspicious that someone was putting them there chris how many seagulls yeah what about a bagel (laughs) (laughs) oh seagulls uh before i got suspicious somebody was putting them there two i don't live anywhere near where seagulls would be yeah, I would venture to say maybe just one. One. One, one I think you could be like, accident. oh, yeah, cut in somehow. But two. Not in somehow. Idaho. There's no ocean nearby, buddy. Yeah, that's true. Closest Actually, ocean's wanna... nine hours away. And do you want to know a fun Idaho fact I just learned yesterday? Sure. Idaho has the innermost port, seaport in Lewiston, Idaho, of any U.S. state. It's accessible was that, from the ocean. Was that a uh, something you were watching about the the path, like the banana shaped? Yeah, that's in Idaho. <laughs> you saw that same thing. thing. Yeah, I was going to send it, is, but it was too long. All I know is, I want to make this very clear on this podcast. I live in Idaho. I'm not from Idaho. <laughs> I don't mind it here, but it's not my favorite state. So, just want to make that clear. It's clear, but the correct answer to my question was three in my mind because one is just could be an accident two is a miracle because it could however the seagull got in the first time three yeah is maybe it was like, a mate yeah it could have been their mate with me yeah yeah i think Although, there is a tipping point though there become so many seagulls that you just admit they're getting in on their own and it's easy <laughs> it's, yeah it's, i know it's a fine line I th- a thought-provoking question nonetheless though so Okay, well, let's get into it. So we are reviewing episode two, no, sorry, season two, episode eight. Andrew had mentioned it, Invasion of the Punk Frogs, original air date, November 19th, 1988. So right around Thanksgiving, which is a great holiday. Um, For those listening. The best holiday, some might say. Some may say that, yeah. Definitely the best food for a holiday, in my opinion. Although 4th of July might rival 
Yeah, I think the barbecue yeah. holidays, even like Memorial, Memorial Day or Columbus Day. Day, get a little underrated on the, the cookouts. Or Labor Day, I should say, not Columbus Day. In, Indigenous Peoples Day, Chris? Depends on where you are and what your company celebrates. Yeah. <laughs> so for those currently listening to our dulcet tones, but not following along on social media, you're missing out on some great content. So you can follow along on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at TMNT Shellcast. And then you can see our beautiful mugs on YouTube uh, at the same handle, TMNT Shellcast. And you can listen along on all major podcast platforms, including Spotify, Apple, Google, Amazon, and Stitcher. I was checking uh, the other day. We do have a couple reviews on Apple Podcasts. I recently added one, but there are a couple other ratings in there. Yeah, we have, I think there were three last time I looked, maybe four now if you added one. Um, yeah. But there was only one comment, so I couldn't read it. But we appreciate the five-star reviews. If, you, you know, if you're a little shy and, uh, or you know, you're driving and you shouldn't be texting and reviewing podcasts, but you happen to be, feel free just to give us five stars and then maybe come back a different time on your significant other's phone and write the review. I think you can rate them on different, whatever you're listening to, log into Spotify, subscribe, yeah. rate it five stars, do it on Apple. We got to inflate these numbers here. Maybe find a Verizon store with all the test phones. Yeah. Do just a little subscribing, mass subscriptions. Or you could just pull up TMNT shellcast.com and just leave every single cell phone in Verizon on that page. Perfect. Yeah. We'll send you a Very sticker. Nice. We did. It's a big day. We posted our first TikTok. It took me about well over an hour to figure out how to do it in the sense of like editing it and adding text and everything. But I feel like it was strong progress where I, now I feel like I know what I'm doing. First, very trendy. TikTok. Yeah, trendy post. It's very current, I would say. So John getting hip with TikTok. It is. Did you post two or is it just the one? Because you had one earlier this morning, and then you just that was the the trailer, right? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, you haven't even posted that one yet, John? No, I'm gonna. I need to. It it was like, I don't know. Gotta ease his cringy as I'm thinking about it. Yeah. Yeah, that's the best. John's cringe sells sometimes. (laughs) You gotta lean into it. It does, but I also like. I need to start following some people on it and getting some followers. So that's not just going into the, yeah, into the void. Yeah, but awesome. And then I think, yeah, I think we have, uh, Andrew, we want to thank somebody. Is that how we're doing it? Yeah, I, I, uh, I want to thank Dave. Dave is a award-winning listener to steal that line from another uh, popular podcast, an EWL. Um, so thanks for the follow, Dave. Uh, I haven't seen you leave a review yet, so I'm really going to, uh, really going to have to ride you on that one. But I think our listeners should aspire to be like Dave. Give us a follow on Instagram. We'll follow you back. Give us a follow on Twitter. We'll tweet at you. Go to TikTok. John will finally do his dance that he's been promising everyone for years. <laughs> so yeah, just be like Dave. Channel your inner Dave. You know, be be chill, be cool. Tell everybody about it and give us a follow. Maybe we yes. call them foot soldiers or something yeah, similar. The foot, sol- the foot, yeah, the foot soldiers. Yeah, we got to think of a name for it. Um, but. Appreciate appreciate the follow, Dave, on a serious note. Yes, Dave, thank you. I don't know you, but I feel like I know you now. Dave, I will say, though, one thing about Dave, he could not beat the last level of Shredder's Revenge when I played with him. 
Didn't we so. play Fortnite with Dave one time? Yeah. Okay, I remember Dave. Yeah, Dave's a great <laughs> sure, guy. Sure, you remember Dave? I don't remember a lot from that. I remember like vaguely, but yeah, <laughs> I don't remember Dave being there. Uh, okay, and now we're going to get into everyone's favorite segment. This is pizza time. Pizza time. So Andrew lost the Twitter poll last week, which was for the worst, best worst chore. So he had the fortune of spinning the wheel. He spun banana and sausage. So Andrew, take us away. Yeah, so it's our first it's our first um, weird pizza in a while. Got a couple softballs. Uh, although, John, I will say chocolate chip and caramel fudge is, uh, is definitely a weird one. But I've got um, sausage and banana. And I did my best. I took half a banana. And then I took half of that. So I took a quarter of a banana on this slice. And then I did the sausage myself. Falls brand. No free ads, but Falls Brand, uh, which is local here to Idaho. Best pizza. Well, not best pizza. Best bacon and meat products uh, I've ever bought. It's wow. a fact. I was going to say that sausage, sausage looked really good. Sausage is really good. Italian sausage. So I'm going to take a bite. Um, I don't know about the banana. I did cook it hot. It went in the oven. Hot. Whoa. Oh, so wow. the banana is cooked. It's cooked banana. Yeah, it wasn't cooked the whole time. Like the sausage and, and banana went on for the last like five minutes. But it's I've never cooked that. a banana before. That's pizza has always looks so good. Hot banana. I don't think he's going to taste it. I think Maybe he's going to taste like sausage. Hmm. I think Chris is spot on. Sausage, I went hot Italian, so it's it is intense. Banana just gets lost in the in the in the chew. Really? Yeah. So. I gave it a seven. Wow, a seven. I knew. I, I had a feeling that was going to be a high score. Yeah, I got to go to seven. Wow. I mean, I honestly think you could put a entire banana on on your pizza, and it, you wouldn't even notice it. Unless it's the yeah. fake banana flavor, banana kind of washes out. So seven out of ten is coming in right ahead of wheat germ, which was also an Andrew special, and right behind extra crispy crust. So on that last bite, raisin brand. on that last bite, I did get some banana flavor. And did it hurt it or help it? I think it was kind of a net zero. I'm not a big banana fan, so if you like banana, I think you may up the score. For me, I'll keep it equal. Reason I give it a seven, I love sausage. All types of sausage. But especially yep. hot Italian. So uh, that's why it gets a seven. I like it. Okay. So that wraps up pizza time. We'll get later in the episode. Well, we got an action-packed episode. So we, we'll go through the episode recap. We've got a Mount Rushmore. We've got player select, which I think will be interesting. Andrew and Chris have no idea what that will be, but it'll be exciting and difficult. I'm telling you right now, it's going to be difficult. You're probably going to get mad at me, but that's okay. We'll do the turtleisms. I actually researched, I wrote down some turtleisms. Not sure if you guys saw that. Um, villain no. power rankings. And then we'll go back into who is the lucky fellow that will be eating pizza for next episode. It's a good thing John did turtleisms this week because I forgot. I know a couple <laughs> off the top of my head, but I forgot yeah. to write them down. 
think I, I rewatched the episode just before this. I think I missed one, but I'll add that in as we go. So let's get into this episode. We left off last week with the turtles and Splinter in the garbage dump at the dump fighting Baxter the fly fighting Shredder. Baxter gets roasted a microsecond into the future, so he's presumably gone at this point. Shredder had escaped with Bebop and Rocksteady, and that's where we left off for the most part. Opening scene for this episode, Mikey, we're, we're immediately entered into some stressful situations here. Mikey is running through some type of sewer area. He jumps over a laser, falls down into a trap, gets washed out by a wave. And at the end, we learn that it was just all a training regimen. As most episodes have opened up, Mikey is in some type of training that's not doing so hot. I'll admit I got fooled. I thought this was like a Tarantino open and we were in the middle of the episode and they were going to go from the end to the beginning. Wasn't (laughs) surprised ultimately to find Mikey messing up another training. And what's different this time is he... He blamed it on something else. He didn't take the onus on himself. He blamed it on Donnie adding new obstacles, which honestly is a little disappointing to see. You want to see more leadership out of the Ninja <laughs> Turtle than that. But um, again, not surprised Mikey failing. That seems to be a common theme. Yeah. Yeah. Slow heat on the obstacle course. I don't mind Mikey fucking up because he's the little brother. Like that's what he's supposed to do. He's the youngest. We all know that. It's a fact. Chris, don't question it. Um. <laughs> But yeah, I mean, overall, pretty cool obstacle course. I actually would like to do it. I'd like to check it out yeah. sometime. And he was, the look on his face when he was running through it, there was panic in his eyes going down oh, yeah. the tunnel. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Flustered. Absolutely flustered. Yeah. Yeah. So we learned it's a, a training tunnel that Donnie had put together, added some new traps. Mikey completed it in three minutes and 26 seconds, which is pretty slow. Splinter gives him some advice. Um, Raph is supposed to be up next, but he's a little wary to enter it because it's not that important in his mind. He can't put the same level of energy uh, and concentration into it because it's not real to which Leo steps in. um, Well, Mikey makes a joke that Raph, he should imagine that there's a pizza at the end of the obstacle course because that would motivate him. And then Leo chimes in and says, imagine, just imagine if it was shredder that was out there. Um, And Splinter has some, you know, premonitions or views that shredder ultimately is going to return in the technodrome so potentially some foreshadowing for future episodes yeah i think i don't think we mentioned it on air but there's a little bit of confusion too on is this the right episode to be watching because uh the turtlepedia had this listed as the correct episode for episode eight of this season but if you happen to buy the apple tv version um i had something else i think i had splintered no more so we're just gonna assume tmnt pedia is correct yeah yeah and i think going by original air dates too i think this would be chronologically the next so i think in the context of this episode i'm beginning to just get a little bit tired of leo being a hardo all the time it happens a lot in this episode but it's like I don't know. You don't have to be serious all the time. And he kind of, he sucks up to Shredder or uh, Splinter a lot too, I've realized. Yeah. yeah. He's got a brown noser. Yeah. Big time. 
Yeah, I mean, I I agree. I think overall, like for all the, like, it's kind of the same with Mikey. They're always he's never patient enough. He's always like you know not focused. And then Donnie's been inventing a whole lot of stuff and like super nerdy, especially the last two episodes. So I think they're leaning in. I mean, again, it's we're halfway through season two, so people that may be new to it, maybe they're really trying to beat him over the head with their cliche stereotyping of characters. But I do think Leo sucks for that reason. He's too, he's too, he's too much of a kiss ass. It's just everything. I feel like every line he has is just some like trite expression or like, I think this episode, he throws out a turtles fight with honor. And I'm just like, I'm over. Yeah. It. He read, he read how to lead for dummies and he just quotes it. Yeah. And like implements all the little lessons that are in there. He does. But but it's kind of funny because I feel like Splinter does that too sometimes where he has these um you know spiritual saying or whatever it may be, motivational speeches. But his at least seem to resonate because they seem kind of ominous and like a little bit not to not right on the nose, whereas Leo is just straight up, we need to be better prepared for the, our next fight against Shredder. Just stuff yeah. like that. So like relax a little. So we go to the next scene is in Shredder's hideout. He's on the phone with Krang once again. Uh, Bebop and Rocksteady are just sort of milling around in the background. And we learn that Shredder has a new plan, or I guess maybe a continuation of his previous plans, where he just wants to create an army of these mutants. And he needs Krang to send him a canister of the mutagen to be able to implement it. Um, Because he wants to be able to use these mutants to fight against the turtles, ultimately defeat them. So I, I have a question for you guys. How effective do you think thus far the mutants have been? In in totality. Not very. I think, also underutilized though. Bebop and Rocksteady, for a large part now, have been stuck in Dimension X, and they're kind of the only. Apart from the turtles, I guess they're the only mutants that have been around. Well, we had the mutant plant from a few episodes ago, but oh yeah, I can't remember the genesis. Oh, that was like brought back by Shredder from Dimension X when he was with Baxter. Um, so that wasn't necessarily intentional. Um, then we have I wouldn't say yeah. Baxter is a mutant. It's not really the mutant gel. He was kind of a ro- half robot, half fly. But yeah, yeah it's just talking- you know. I don't know. Just not not as effective as you think they would be, I guess is probably the right answer. Yeah. Which I like, was actually no, okay. I was excited to see that this was the plan though. Because it, well, first it was ironic that Crane is in love with the plan and it was his plan to begin with back in episode like two when they created Bebop and Rocksteady. But early on in the show I said they should just stick to one plan and like just keep implementing it because there's these one off reasons that they're losing. So I was kind of excited to see that they're going back and saying all right let's just make a shit ton of mutants and we'll, we'll beat them that way yeah, yeah. it does kind of need to be a slap in the face though for bebop and Rockside because they are the original mutants and they're standing there in dimension x doing nothing and shredder just wants more because he knows they suck yeah it's a couple of cronies yeah so krang uh yeah chris mentioned it but krang thinks this is a halfway decent plan the only issue is that there's an ion storm that's currently decimating Dimension X. And so it's going to interfere with the transdimensional portal. Shredder's kind of, you know, doesn't really give a shit. He's like, we, I must have this mutagen now. 
So there's two stone soldiers in Dimension X. They huck the canister through the portal, but Crane basically warns him there's going to be issues when this thing's coming across. We see the canister fall into a swamp area where a family is vacationing. Um, you know, there's this kid that's sort of digging around in the swamp. Uh, he, he gets a group of four frogs he finds, shows them to his parents. They're basically like, that's disgusting. Put those things back. Um, the canister starts to leak and then it touches the, the frogs, which we know whatever the last thing to come in contact with the animal and the mutagen you'll turn into. So the four frogs are transformed into four human anamorph mutant frogs, but naked in the swamp. And the family just runs off because they're terrified that they just saw these animals. So I didn't put that together that the kid had touched the frogs and then they turned into human frogs that swept right by me. That's good yeah. Time. It was a quick scene, but it, as it was happening in my head, I'm thinking, why are they just showing me this kid delivering the frogs back to the water? But it's specifically for that reason. So at least they're consistent with the, you know, the mutation or the genesis of the mutation. Um, and this goes back to Chris, you mentioned the punk frogs inadvertently when we talked about the best TMNT action figures a while ago. Um, and we had one of the, one of the frogs, I don't remember who, but we did have one and, um, yeah, so it was pretty cool. Yeah. I didn't realize there was more than one frog until recently. Yeah. And also just going back a little bit, dimension X has to be the stormiest dimension that there is just every single time they want to use the portal now. There's some sort of storm or something going on that's throwing things off. Or it's Crane still just messing with Shredder and just trying to cover it up by something <laughs> else. Because um, I noticed that this is the, I think it's the first time these back-to-back episodes, right? We last episode when they sent Bebop and Rocksteady to Earth, he had to send Baxter back in order to satisfy the, portal requirements whatever and then this time so these last two episodes i don't know if it happened beforehand um but i also wouldn't put it past crane just to be messing around and, and dropping the mutagen in some place to make it more difficult for shredder yeah yeah absolutely so we go back to shredder's lair crane knows the canister is in a section of earth known as florida in the okifinoki swamp because of the ion storm had sort of um had an issue with where the canister was going. So Shredder is like, what the hell? This is ridiculous. He uh, plans to go to Florida to get the mutagen and the canister. He's going to go by himself. He's going to leave Bebop and Rocksteady to sort of deal with the turtles in his stead. Um, but he knows that he can't go down to Florida in his sort of, in his, you know, Shredder's full costume. So he uses a holographic projector to transform his appearance into a normal being which is just him as a human. It's not really like anything special. So he could have just taken his costume off his like helmet and you know, put on this pad, but he's got like the pink suit sort of very Florida in my mind. Um, what you, what people would be. He doesn't have the buzz head haircut anymore. Does he? No, remember. he looked like a different like character, character. basically yeah. when he was in the Florida costume. And also why maybe I missed it. Why can't he wear his, like he wears his garb everywhere else. He walks down Manhattan with it on. Why can't he wear it to Florida? 
I don't know. I thought that part was weird. Yeah. Kind of weird, but I like the holographic um, device, projector, whatever that thing is. It kind of be cool to have one of those. Yeah, that would revolutionize you... clothes. Yeah, it'd probably be scary too, because then you could be looking like anyone or anything in any place at any moment. But the convenience would be nice, so somebody's got to work be. on that. Would be. So Shredder is heading down to Florida. Meanwhile, Irma and April are in the Channel 6 newsroom. Irma's pressing April on the fact that she knows the turtles and is friends with the turtles, which I don't know if that's a sort of storyline that's going to play out more, but I feel like there's been several episodes now where she knows that April and the turtles are interacting. So the fact that she's like pressing her for more information makes sense, but it's also like, I don't know, can you put two and two together? Like, yeah, she's obviously working with them, but um, there's something that comes across the wire in the newsroom uh, and she finds April finds this, thinks it's very important, runs to the turtles to let them know that there's been frog, frog like monsters that have been seen and spotted in Florida. Um, so she runs to the sewer to meet them and tell them. The turtles begin to wonder if they're mutants like themselves. Uh, Splinter suggests that they should go to Florida, but right as he does that on the news, um, they see Bebop and Rocksteady are just wreaking havoc in New York, so they decide they need to go stop them. And that was that was Shredder's plan all along, was to leave Bebop and Rocksteady behind to create a distraction so that he could... Uh, recover the, the mutagen, um, which at the time before the scene, I thought it was dumb because why would you ever leave Bebop and Rocksteady on their like to their own devices? But uh, it seems to work because they're wreaking havoc. The turtles quickly forget about the mutagen and then head to to deal with Bebop and Rocksteady. So which, overall, good play by by Shredder. I agree, but without it's weird. Number one that that would get reported to April's newsroom, but I get they just got it connected or whatever. But if you're Shredder. Like, it almost draws more attention to yourself. Right? Would anybody have known if he went to Florida and got the mutant frogs and brought them back? So, like, by mean, having yeah. Bebop and Rocksteady create a ruckus, oh. it almost draws more attention to the fact that... something. Why, why are they doing up. that under Shredder's orders? Yeah. I also thought, though... I mean, seemingly, Shredder just, like, teleports to Florida. But yeah. if he was actually going from New York, it would take a while. So even if even if the turtles knew, like he has a head start. So I do think he's maybe being a little extra sneaky, but at least gives us some action and some classic bebop and rocks that he just, you know, breaking everything, smashing yeah. stuff. Yeah. And I think, yeah, it's at least a three, three and a half hour flight down to Florida. Although I'm not sure I didn't research where the Oki Finoki swamp is. Oh no, actually I did it. I saw something it's more like it's a, it's definitely a real swamp in Florida but the majority of it is actually in Georgia. So it's like, it's accurate that it's in Florida, but it's weird that they would have said that because the majority of it uh, is in Florida. But yes, so Shredder gets down to Florida. He gets there very quickly. Um, episode goes to where he is in a rowboat in the swamp, right where the frogs were mutated. Um, he sees them and basically says, Yo, well, he finds the empty canister realizes that the frogs have been mutated, says, hey, this mutagen should have made it so that you can talk. He starts conversing with the frogs, puts on this ruse that, you know, Shredder, his name is Shredder. He loves all living things. He's going to treat them well. He's going to be, you know, 
chauffeur them to wherever they need to go. Frogs are like, oh, that's great. Yeah, that makes sense. They hop in the boat. Shredder uses the holographic projector to give them clothes, which are like what I would characterize as like resort resort wear, which are like Hawaiian type shirts. Um, and he convinces the frogs that they need to join with him to fight against the evil mutant turtles, but he'll sort of be their, their guide and savior. I just wasn't prepared for their voices. Yeah. They remind me of Homesar. Homesar <laughs> from Homestar Runner with, with how they speak, but I I laughed out loud when they actually spoke for the first time. Yeah, it's a good point because they, so, you know, these small frogs and they mutate into these quite, you know, muscular, like built mutants. And then they talk as if they're, you know, from the oak, Oki, whatever it is, Oki, 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 Yeah, that's exactly what I would expect somebody from there would speak like. Yeah, though. you know what I mean. Yeah, um, and they are a- like they're they're huge. They're they're built like actual. Line. They have no necks or anything. They're just all upper body, no leg day, just lurching around. Yeah. So we'll see. Yeah. We'll see too, because this is the one thing I've been interested in. Now that we've had a few muta- mutations, so they're now cross. Um, you know, hybrid human frogs, but, and Shredder's recruiting them to fight the turtles, but how long does it take him to train them? And like we've seen with Bebop and Rocksteady, just by making something into a mutant doesn't actually make them effective. So that, uh, that's something I was eager to see in this episode. Yeah. Yeah. And with that, so we've got some, this is the first time in these episodes that we've got some interstate travel, interstate play. So I thought to myself, man, New York and Florida are pretty polar opposites. But I thought to myself, wow, if we had to rank states, if we had to do a Mount Rushmore of states, what would we come up with? And that's exactly what we're going to do. So this segment is Mount Rushmore. The three of us uh, talk to figure out the top four, the category I told I told the these two is just states so it could be u.s states it could be emotional states states of matter states of motion whatever it might be we're gonna put them top four i think i'll start well i, I don't know how should we do this because we're, we're just coming up with the four best things right yeah i think we all we go around we mention one and then we come to a consensus on if we think that should be in there okay yeah okay should you want me to go first sure i'll go first so my first on the Mount Rushmore, I'm going to go out of the states of matter that exist. So there's solid liquid gas. I'm so there's actually with, a fourth, John? Oh, yeah. yeah. Plasma. Yeah. Which I really don't know what plasma is, if I'm being honest. And there's actually a fifth. Nope. Major's showing me up. I didn't want to do the four. <laughs> what is five? Well, I'll save it. I'll save it when it gets to me. Okay. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm going to pick that liquid. one. I'm going, going liquid because, one, it takes the shape of its container, much like a gas does. But to me, there's just something about a liquid that you can see, you can interact with. Um, and I just think liquid is the best state of matter. But I don't, I guess, admittedly, I don't know what the fifth state of matter is. And I didn't even consider the fourth. So I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> I'm over my skis here. I will say, I thought John was going to mess up. I would have also picked liquid because there's some psychology behind humans and being around water and something like primal yeah. about that and how it sets your mind state and everything. So for that reason, I also pick liquid. 
Yeah, I think given the options, I would also choose liquid, but I did do a little bit of research because state states of matter um, have always been interesting to me just from an engineering background and, and science background. I've just always been very interested in what makes a gas a gas and liquid, et cetera. But in 2019, a team led by scientists from the University of Edinburgh in Scotland, I believe, or Ireland, one of the two. I know it's Scottish. Uh, Scotland. Yeah, yeah, I know. Yeah. I know they despise when you mix each other up, but um, I'm an American, so I'm just going to group it together. They but they the used, so. yeah, yeah, they used, um, uh, they used their team to ultimately discover if you apply a high pressure and temperature to potassium specifically, a very simple metal, um, it creates a state in which most of the elements atoms form a solid, but there's also liquid simultaneously. And this has been like theorized, uh, this is, this has happened in the, you know, scientific setting where they have a liquid and a solid, but they don't know necessarily if it's just changing from one to the other, but here, mm -hmm. I guess in 2019, and they published this, you know, it's peer reviewed, it's, it's legit. Um, and they call it the chain melted state. That does sound badass. That's a good name by that. That's a pretty badass name of for it. Yeah. New state. And I guess there's, it's not just potassium. There's like a half dozen. So pretty cool. Um, would you ever simultaneously need something in that state? No, probably not. But I thought it was cool. I will agree. I think liquid to Chris's point, like, I think there's something primal about like water, even, even my daughter at a very young age was like hypnotized when I take a water bottle and just like tilt it like this and just watch the water go back and forth. So I also think gas has to be out because gas, so many gases are deadly and you can't even smell them. Some are so silent feel... too. <laughs> Some are. <laughs> and, and some you can smell. And, um, and solids. I mean, everybody knows. Solid blows. Yeah. <laughs> it's just, it just sucks. So. Also, did you know that natural gas is naturally odorless, but they had yeah. to add the smell because for just for people aware if there was yeah. leaks. Yeah, propane, they do the same thing with propane. That's why it smells yeah. like eggs. A lot, I mean, a lot of gases don't have an odor, so you have to, yeah, you have to know what the fuck you're doing around gases. Yeah. I also just like, think like in in its essence, a liquid, like it's all based on how fast molecules are moving, right? Is that right, you science people? Yeah, and like how close they are to each other. Yeah. So it's like solids, it's just, you know, more or less lazy ass particles. Gases yeah. are too much. Liquid is just the perfect. Perfect well, middle child answer by John, picking the, the middle state. Well, to um yeah, that's that is true. But to play devil's advocate, um, how about the the elements that can exist on Earth as a liquid, like um carbon dioxide is what? my understanding is you need insane pressure. That's why like CO2 cylinders are so heavy and thick is because naturally on earth, there's not enough pressure like in your day to day for, for you to find carbon dioxide as a liquid. So it's only exists in like gas form. And I guess never as a solid. I don't know. I mean, dry ice is, is that CO2? That's nitrogen. Nitrogen. I don't know. But anyway, there's some things out there that aren't liquids on earth. So what would you say? To those elements, John, you're not worthy. I mean, CO2 is pretty devastating. 
although essential to life. So, yeah, just just some some food for thought, you know. Yeah. All right, so liquid on the Mount Rushmore, we all agree. Yeah, yeah. for states of matter, absolutely. Okay, I'm gonna go. I'll go next. I have one. This is gonna be a nod to all of the Breaking Bad fans out there. I'm going with a fugue state, which Ooh, nice. is a state of confusion, as Walt faked having in the in the wandered grocery around. Store or whatever. Yeah, yeah, or wandered around the grocery store naked. So I'm going fugue state. It's also fun to say F U G U E. I think is how you spell it. Fugue state. All right. <laughs> Being honest, I'm not even really sure. It's a mental state. What? <laughs> it's basically amnesia, John. It's yeah. it's almost another name. It's an am- temporary amnesia episode. Amnesia. Yeah. You're, yeah. So you're putting that on the Mount Rushmore of states, John. Like Breaking Bad, the greatest, the greatest television series that ever was. Yes, I mean Fugue it, State. This was probably. a tough one for me. I'll be honest. That was the top of my list. I thought it was a good pull. Well, so to take a step back, that's a emotional state or mental state. Yeah, I would put emotional. One of state. the two. Okay, so maybe we should talk if if uh, if we're going to put an emotional state up there, is fugue state the one, or do we debate other emotional states? Let's debate them. So I, in emotional states, what my research came up with was there were six, and I'll add seven. Fugue. What there are they? sadness? Sadness, yeah. happiness, fear, anger, surprise, and disgust. Which I, I think you could argue fugue is maybe a combination of those. Right? Like fear and... Yeah. It might be a result of like a conflict or an overwhelming yeah. one of them. Yeah. I had in, in mind, I said surprise was the best emotional state. So I'm kind of out on surprises, ones. if I'm being honest. Yeah. I don't, I don't like, like being surprises. surprised. Okay. That's fine. I think fear... Uh, Fear is a great fear. motivator. John, I think all of the things that have been accomplished because of fear. Or fear of dying. Fear fear is like one of the, don't they say fear? And there's like two that you're born knowing just like innate. And fear is one of them. And I think, I think maybe hunger is the other one. But <laughs> no, seriously, just, you're just you're terrified and hungry. That's how yeah, you well, come into think, the world. Think as a, like as a wild animal. You need, to, a good point. you need to be cautious and you need food. Like those are the, the two things you need to do to survive. So I, there's something like that. Um, I personally don't like fear. I don't like surprises. I'm just going to stick with happy. Happy is my favorite state. What beats being happy? Happy or joyful, Andrew? Oh, is that cool? Happiness. I said happiness. Happiness, yeah. happiness, happiness. can be fleeting. Joy is sustained. But joy is not a state. So I guess happiness would be the one. Yeah. But you guys both like fear. No, I like I fugue, fear, but I'll Johnson. go. I'm fine with fear. Chris I'll do fear. happiness over fear. I fucking hate fear. I hate watching. Well, I like watching scary movies, but I hate the terror that yeah, they the suspense. Yeah, but terror is actually it, fear and be, surprise. You need to be scared to feel alive a little bit. <laughs> I know, but we're putting this on the Mount Rushmore, so yeah. it is. Yeah. Like, <laughs> It's a stall and move to put fear on the yeah right yeah. Rushmore. Oh, yeah. I'm good with that. Very so. very communist move right there. Chris. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Chris. Okay, happiness. I'm I'm okay with happiness on the Mount Rushmore. All right, we'll put it as a placeholder. We may need to uh, bump it because it, it might be too boring. Okay. okay. All right, Andrew. What do you got? Well, I did have um, I had that chain melted state of matter. Um, 
which I thought was cool because liquids and solids existing simultaneously. It kind of reminds me of last episode when we were talking about that phase um, molecular shifter thing with uh, with Baxter at the end. But I'm going to go with the Dwight D. Eisenhower National System of Interstate and Defense Highways. Because... Damn. Um, which I never really paid much attention up until about a year ago. If you asked me about like the highway interstate system, I would tell you it's great because I can go from one state to another, but I knew nothing about it. Um, come to find out, we could have a whole podcast about the interstate highway system. But the short version is basically um, Eisenhower in the 20s uh, really pushed for the federal aid road act. And essentially my understanding is it was really just a gear up for, was it world war one at that time? Two. Um, world war two. Yeah. World war two. Yeah. World war two. So gearing up for world war two to make the United States more efficient. But what, what's cool is, um, there's a whole science to the numbering system, um, which is actually pretty handy if, you know, you want to have a clue about where you're going instead of just using your Google maps. So awesome. I won't, I won't go into that detail. There's a nice YouTube video. I'll probably drop it in, in the uh, show description. It's actually kind of funny and informative at the same time, but thank you to uh, Dwight D Eisenhower because I use that interstate highway system when I moved to Idaho. Yeah. I'll say the government, if they're running things, doesn't get it right often. They crush the highway system. I really, I have no complaints about it. It's well thought out, well planned. I'm pretty sure they built it super fast. So maybe need some repairs, which is why I have a job, but overall a fan of the highway system. Yeah. Just to your point. So the first funding was in 1916. Uh, they passed the federal aid highway act in 21 and in 26 it was established. Yeah. So I think you were right. I think in re- in response to world war one, they said we need to be ready for the next time this happens. And then they built it. Yeah. And it's kind of crazy when you think, you know, before these major highways, it probably wasn't that easy to get around between major metropolitan areas. Yeah. So just It's hard to even think about that because we live in a world that's so connected. Like you could fly and be in a different country in hours, you know, um, depending on where you live. And like this stuff didn't exist. And they spent half in 2021 money. It was half a trillion dollars to do this. So like this also wasn't a small expense. You know what I mean? Like the, I feel like a lot of things nowadays are so polarizing, but to spend half a trillion dollars, I mean, like how did that even actually happen? Is is really, it's, 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 uh, you know, astonishing. And a lot of it is just like they asserted their, like they blasted rock out of the way. Whatever they needed to do, they just did it. Yeah. They just blasted people out of their That wouldn't happen today. Yep. They did blast people out of their homes, Sean. But it was necessary, I would say, because we we won the war. People people love infrastructure. Every, there was just a big infrastructure bill passed in the past couple of years that, you know, we're having joint press conferences with both sides of the political parties in front of a bridge exclaiming how wonderful this is. So people love the infrastructure. Yeah. They love bridges. I people love, love bridges. It's I hate bridges, but yeah, I'm out on bridges, but I will say um, <laughs> on infrastructure, on infrastructure, I 
it's kind of like, what do they call it? Self-care, self-help. You know, when people are like, hey, you know, sometimes you just got to take a mental health day and just work on yourself. I was, I was watching Stutz. Um, it's a documentary I started that is with uh, Jonah, Hill. Uh, Jonah Hill and his, yeah. his uh, therapist. And he basically, he, the reason he's doing it is he wants to share his, his therapist like teachings and yeah, with the rest of the world. But the whole reason I bring that up is because they talk about, oh man, they talk about how important it is to work on yourself. And essentially, even if you don't know what you should be doing in life, you can always be working on yourself and improving. So I think the interstate highway is kind of a, that's a good metaphor because the United States worked on itself, made ourselves stronger, better. And here we are almost a hundred years later and they're still holding up pretty well. Surprisingly so, holding up. Yeah, you would think there'd be more bridges collapsing. So I think it rightfully has, <laughs> hopefully no one's well, driving, listening to this over a bridge. Yeah. Well, hopefully um, you guys agree that that should be on the Mount Rushmore. Cause I think it's pretty important. Yeah. That's a great pick. I agree. <laughs> Did anybody else have so that? Was, was the criteria just it has to have state in it? <laughs> Isn't that what you said? What you said? You said I, any I state. Did. I said just anything to do with states. the state. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, it fits. I'm, I'm just interstate, John. It's a little liberal <laughs> interpretation it. of it. <laughs> but that's fine. I agree. Highway systems, a one. Let's go. Put it on there. Yeah, right, watch, you, watch the video when I send it out. You guys, um, you'll get some, get your learn on as well. Okay, I'll go uh, for my nomination. This is just going to be a U.S. state that I think is number one. And it has a range of reasons. I'm going California, number one state. No, Whether it's got the ocean, it has America's finest wine valley, the Napa Wine Valley. Highly recommend everyone go there once. Eat some grapes, drink some grapes. It's got mountains, it's got skiing, it's got beaches, good weather. I'm going California. Big trees, small trees. It doesn't feel like it's enough a part of the United States, which is what your your answer should have been is the United States, Sean. No. California is almost its own. It's like Texas. It's off doing its own thing. What's crazy about California? I, so I will agree. California is my favorite state as well. Um. Mainly though for the food and the beer and like the nice yeah, weather. That's beer. that's why I like it, like Southern California especially. But it's crazy to me that California, if if we were to rank them, they would have the world's fifth largest economy, that state. So like to Chris's point, hundred percent agree California sometimes feels like it is its own place. They're doing all these things out there. But we have a lot to thank California for. One for all the social media platforms that TMNT Shellcast is a part of. And uh, I think YouTube and all that stuff too. So, yeah. yeah it's physically know. breaking away from the continent. You can't you can't put that up there. Okay. If you had to pick a state, what's the state that you choose, Chris? Delaware. The first Delaware? to commit. The, the first to commit. Delaware. Honestly, no. I don't want to be biased, but Massachusetts should be up there. I mean, Massachusetts invented America. That's a fact. Massachusetts is fine, but it's also weather-wise, it's not even close to California. John, California, Northern California gets the same weather. 
Yeah, but they also have Southern California and they also have the mountains and they also have San Francisco. Yeah, that's why it's like not, it shouldn't count. It's not, it's too big. It's like Superman is kind of lame because he's good at everything. That's how I feel about California. Have you ever been? No, I haven't. (laughs) (laughs) In and out. They've got in and out. I mean, there's. I I honestly, and I hate to say this because I try not to be contrarian. But like everyone's so in on In and Out that it makes me not want to like it. Yeah, it can't be that good. In and Out is good, but you have to go in with the right expectations for what it is. You know what's good and underrated? Dairy. This is. I don't want to go too far off, but Dairy Queen burgers are underrated. I would say if we're talking burgers, Sonic has the best fast food burger I've ever eaten. For like a a chain chain, not like an In and Out or Five Guys or anything like that. Yeah. I thought they were a hot dog place. They are. Okay. So do we? Do we think California? Well, do we think California I, should be on there? I'm with Chris. If we're gonna put a state, we should put the United States of America. But is that like happiness? <laughs> is it just too? Is it just too like? Is it pandering like, to it, too big of a base? Yeah. Well, it's like it's like you're saying you're gonna put the states of matter on the mountain. All right. Well, how about this? If we're gonna pick a state, what about South Carolina? No. So it believes in itself so much that it was the first one to say, I'm out. I want to be my own thing. No. Civil War. Nope. I would either. Okay. What was the first Lip state? John's Virginia? never Virginia? Go for that. Who was the first state? Delaware. Delaware. Oh, Delaware was? All right. So maybe I'll take back some of the shit I gave Chris about Delaware, even though it sucks. Like, it if there's anyone suck, from Delaware listening, outside of Dogfish Head Brewery, there's nothing I would come to your state for ever. It's literally been downhill for Delaware since day one. They have never done anything remotely close to being that first. It's like in Wayne's world when they're going through the different states. He's like, oh, I'm in Delaware. Delaware. Yeah. (laughs) So anyway, I think uh, it should be the first state, which I don't think it should be the first state. And I would say it should either be then the United States or Massachusetts because, you know. I'm fine with either of those. Yeah. John's a tiebreaker. All right. We'll go Massachusetts. All right. Because that's where we're from. Perfect. And the Turtles, by the way, to also dovetail this nicely, Northampton, Massachusetts is where the Turtles, TMNT, got their their, uh, their start. Get right out of town. Really? I think so. Wow. You didn't know that, John? Are you acting surprised? I in my state of my state of emotion, I'm surprised. I had no idea. <laughs> I was just in Northampton for a wedding. It's a nice. Secret. Yeah, somebody can fact check me, but I'm pretty sure that's true. I think honestly, I think he might have been from New Hampshire, but currently lives in Northampton. But I might be wrong on that. Yeah, hmm. we'll figure it out. But we're claiming Mass- Massachusetts. Yeah. Okay. We so we choice. have right now on our Mount Rushmore, we have liquid happiness, liquid happiness beer. Or maybe not. Or wine. Drink responsibly. Uh, the interstate highway system in Massachusetts. What else? Any other nominations? I was going to go with state radio. Have you guys ever heard of state radio? Or yeah. the band? This, or this, yeah, the Statesboro Review is the other one. I was that's what ask. I was going to choose, the Statesboro Review. Chris but it's too obscure. Yeah. So that's why I went state radio. Um State what about State great. of the Union? I don't think it's that great, but I had it on there. How we, hey, how we doing? State of the Union. Yeah, I thought about that, but I think, I mean, honestly, our generation, I don't think cares about that shit. Yeah. 
Honestly, I don't know one person that actually watches the State of the Union address. Or it's just all bullshit anyway. It was more important when there wasn't as, like, news wasn't as at the fingertips, where it's truly like, okay, let's have, you know, the president talk talk to us about how things are going. But now it's just a constant news cycle. So it's just too much clapping. All they do is clap. Well, there was a lot of booing and jeering at this last one. I didn't watch it, to be honest. That's a little childish, though. John, did you have anything else? I did. I had, um, we talked about emotional states. The only other one I had was the the state of motion. So I said just being in motion movement is better than the state of rest. If you're not moving forward, you're moving backward. Yeah. Yeah. Chris, do you have anything else? No, I struggled with this one. I mean, I had a couple other states that I'm not going to mention now because everyone already had the state debate. State of disrepair, not a great thing to put on Mount Rushmore. <laughs> Dis- what is it? Says it has state. Johnny, you said at different kinds of states, like there's a whole smorgasbord of yeah. states. There's really not. I mean, yeah. I mean, yeah. <laughs> All right. So what's what's the fourth? What's the fourth? We have uh, four state. Oh. Liquid, happiness, the interstate highway system, and. Oh, yeah. Well, actually, you know what? Massachusetts is a commonwealth. It's not even a state. Oh, so shit. John's right. We can work a commonwealth. We can't, we can't do Massachusetts. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking A. My other, we'll my put an asterisk. We'll put Massachusetts asterisk, okay? Okay. We'll leave, we'll leave it to the scholars to debate. Someone's going to fucking roast us over that. Yeah. <laughs> we should just put that we know it's a commonwealth, but that's our Mount Rushmore. A nice graphic that has the heads of Mount Rushmore on. We can do that. Yeah, it's a nice little, um, nice little return to Mount Rushmore. It's been quite a while, but overall, I'm I'm happy with you know with our states. Yeah. Okay. That wraps up Mount Rushmore. So let's get back into the episode. So Bebop and Rocksteady, when we last left them, they were wreaking havoc in New York City, destroying benches and the like. The turtles see this on the television. They pop up from the sewer to fight them, and a battle ensues. Donnie leads it off. He's charging. Leo makes some comment about the fact that the bigger they are, the harder they fall. So Donnie does a sort of pole vault to dropkick Bebop, but immediately gets flung into a garbage container when he tries to kick him. Um, there's some other, it's not that long of a fight scene, but Shredder basically calls them in the middle of the fight and asks him to return to the hideout because he has what he needs from Florida. He's back in New York. So he wants to meet them back at the lair. Um, as they're leaving, they knock over a parking meter. The turtles go to chase Bebop and Rocksteady to fight them. They end up tripping over the parking meter and basically give up and say, oh, well, they got away. So we should just not chase after them, which I thought was very lame. Yeah, the one time they ever pursue somebody, apparently coins are slippery, who knew? But the one time they actually pursue, they get tripped up. Yeah. Too much. So we are back in Shredder's lair. He's gotten the frogs to swear their allegiance to him and aid in the destructions of their enemies, the turtles. We learn that Shredder has personally trained the frogs and the art of ninjutsu. So Bebop and Rocksteady, maybe they're slighted by the fact that there's new mutants in town, but they start poking holes in Shredder's 
um, plan here. He's, you know, they say how the how the frog's going to fight the turtles because the turtles are ninjas. So Shredder, you know, basically says I've trained them in a seemingly the flight time or the teleportation time from Florida to New York. So these turtles are hopped up on the fighting style of the foot. Um, and we learn, you know, Shredder has, because Splinter has given the turtles the names of his favorite artists, Shredder too has named the frogs after his personal heroes, he says. So we have four frogs. They are Attila the Frog, named after Attila the Hun, Genghis Frog, Rasputin the Mad Frog, and Napoleon Bonafrog. What do you guys think of those names? Way better than the turtles' names, I think. Everyone made me laugh. <laughs> yeah, I, I think it's clever because it's, you know, got a frog like just shoved into um, some famous conqueror evil villain's uh, name. But it's hard for me to, I don't know why. It's probably only because I've seen, I've only seen the frogs in a couple episodes, but I can't keep track of who's who. Yeah. It's, it's harder for me to know who's who with the frogs than it is with the turtles. So, yeah, I agree with that. Give there. The funny part, this was my favorite scene in the episode because I don't know if you guys noticed it, but like when Shredder is unveiling the frogs to Bebop and Rocksteady, he kind of tries to do the thing where they step out of the shadows and reveal themselves. But if you look, <laughs> if you look at the scene, Shredder's standing there, he's talking to Bebop and Rocksteady, and in the corner, in the shadow, you can just see the frogs clear as day. And then he says their names and they step forward like a foot. <laughs> they're just they're just standing there the whole time. Go back and watch it. It's yeah. funny. I'll have to check it out. I will watch it. Um, yeah. So, I mean, there is some interesting contrast. Obviously, the the turtles are, you know, they they fight in the ninjutsu style. They've got sort of this Asian or Eastern influence, while these frogs are more medieval, European, Western rooted. So there's a little bit of contrast there. But I think it was really just let's find these conquerors and name the frogs after them in Shredder's mind. Yeah, and it's it's interesting to me, like this whole like classic uh good guy, bad guy that play that Shredder's Shredder's doing, where he's acting like he's the good guy and the turtles are the bad guys. Um I just for whatever reason, Shredder just has bad luck with his mutants and they're dumb. Or maybe not dumb, but just uh what's the what's the right word for it? Like you know, couldn't be bothered, just want to go, you know, eat some flies kind of thing. You know, Oof. these frogs, yeah, they, they just don't seem, they don't seem eager. They're just going along with the plan because that's there was a fair. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There you the go. History word. Yeah. Laissez fair. Yeah. It's just a French, French term. Hands on. But you don't speak French. I learned that in history class. All right. <laughs> I mean, it's an economic term, so it's not really a French term or a history. I mean, Anyways, I think, I mean, Bebop and Rocksteady must feel a little bit slighted, at least, because why doesn't Shredder just teach them how to fight like the foot? Are they, Buddy, they turned on Shredder. I have no sympathy for Bebop and Rocksteady. Yeah. They're just I, flavor of the day. When you're a grunt, you're at your boss's whim. Yeah, I think, I think um, Shredder, for better or for worse, gives you one chance. If you blow that chance, you're just written off. So we saw that with Baxter, who legitimately he tried to kill multiple times. Bebop and Rocksteady, they 
been doing whatever with Krang and Dimension X, giving zero shits. If if you were really dedicated to your boss, you would find a way to get back to Earth, and they didn't. So I True. think that's I think that's that. That's fair. So we go back to the turtle layer. Uh, turtles are they're eating you know personal cheese pizza. Really haven't heard or seen anything from Shredder after they um, after Bebop and Ruck said he escaped. There's another news report um, on the TV that is now left. It was previously mounted on the wall, and now it's just a, a floor stand. They must have a lot of TVs, I guess is what it gets to, and some cable hookup. Uh, but on the news, there's a report that there were new green monsters um, that are similar to the turtles that have been identified. And the mayor is just sick of all of the crime and havoc that the these turtle monsters are wreaking so he's put together an anti-turtle squad to deal with the problem captain hoffman is in charge who kind of has the what's that guy that has the start or uh x-men cyclops yeah cyclops yeah with the i think so yeah Um, yeah but he's in charge of this anti-turtle squad and and splinter begins to suspect that shredder is behind all of this, um, you know, all this nonsense. Yeah, so this is another old plan being put into action, a little disinformation campaign, like the Crooked Turtle Squad. <clears throat> so I was excited yeah. to see that, again, implementing old plans that could have been successful but failed. And then, um, what's the, Captain Hoffman is like 10 feet tall. Yeah, He's just an absolute <laughs> giant on the screen. He towers over everybody. So it was kind of funny they made him like this. He looks, he reminds me kind of, um, do you guys remember the movie? Oh God, I forget what it's called. I think it's Whittle Soldiers where the toys like come to life and they battle. It's called yeah. Toy Soldiers. Toy Soldiers. Great, great he looks movie. like the evil army guy in that kind of. Yeah. He kind he's of got like the flat top and like the, he's tall. That's all I remember really. Yeah. I, um, I mean, too little, too late, Mayor. Your your city has been <laughs> getting blown up and yeah. destroyed for weeks, at least maybe months. So uh, you've been really asleep at the wheel for that. But I do think the one thing I noticed about him, or the first thing I noticed, was his voice. I'm pretty sure is the same voice as the bad guy in Mickey Mouse. Like who's the big, big Pete. oaf in Mickey Mouse? Pete. Yeah, I thought the same thing, and I I was gonna look it up, and I didn't. That's funny you caught okay. that. So I'll, I'll look it up as we're going through the show, but I'm pretty sure that's him. Um, and the reason um, the reason I know that is that voice comes back. So I could be wrong about him being Pete, but it's definitely some familiar voice that we know from a different show. So Yeah. And to your yeah. point about the mayor, like Bebop and Rocksteady just destroyed the city with no police presence at all. Yeah. Which they're just running havoc. And then I don't know if you guys caught it, but when April was trying to make the TV work, she did the thing where you hit the top of the TV to make the picture unscrambled. And it made me think that there's things like that that are going to disappear because of technology advancing. And we're probably one of the last like generations that actually gets that you could hit the top of the TV to make it come in. It's like rolling the windows down in a car. Nobody, nobody does the hand crank thing anymore. They just do the little button. Yeah. Or the uh, blowing in like a super, uh, super Nintendo or Sega Genesis game where you'd have to like just get it perfect. To yeah, get which to how I forget there's a comedian I think that does a skit, but it's like only you knew how the pattern to blow into your game in your system. It's unbelievable. <laughs> well, you'd, you'd have to blow in it and then you'd 
you'd rest it in and then slam it down. So yeah. <laughs> just to get it just right. Funny. Um, so the, the frogs return to Shredder's lair. They've robbed a bank in order to prove their worth to Shredder. Um, Shredder, you know, in his joy, gives Krang a buzz to let him know what's going on. He requests more mutagen to create more monsters because these guys have been somewhat successful. Krang is basically like, well, that it's a very rare, you know, solution. I sent the last of it. There's no more, but he's going to give Shredder the recipe so that he can make more mutagen. Um, and it's going to involve some chemicals and things that they're going to have to gather. So the turtles are now <clears throat> in the New York City streets. It's nighttime. They're looking to find some type of clues so that they can get um, these frogs or find out who these, you know, other frog-like, turtle-like uh, mutants are that are committing crimes. Um, we learn that the frogs are stealing a list of chemicals from a lab that's nearby. Um, April says that she got a bulletin that the frogs broke into a lab nearby the turtles. Um, the turtles get chased out by some cops that roll up on them at night. They run into the frogs and then a fight ensues with the punk frogs. So Rasputin, who is the archer of the group, fires an arrow that lights up the room almost like a flashbang grenade. The frogs are able to escape. And then immediately, Donnie knows exactly the chemical recipe that they're using to make this mutagen. And he knows that there's one more very rare one that they need um, to make it all work. So the turtles give April a call. They tell her to check the database to see where the chemical is going to be available. She finds out that there's a new shipment that's coming into town. Uh, and then April gets a new assignment from burn to cover this new anti-turtle squad. So I think, I think Donnie knowing the mute news recipe really bothered me this episode. Yeah. Like they, so they kind of, I, I feel like they jumped into a plot. Like they were just spitballing around drinking beers. Like, all right, this is what we're going to do. And then some guy just shouts out like, yeah, Donnie should know the recipe. And nobody thought twice about it. Cause it's like the same guy in the back that just loves Donnie. And all he does is keep talking about it. And then they forget it's a, a real big like hole in the plot here. Cause it, it kind of upends the whole episode. If you don't believe that. And I don't. So I thought, I thought the same thing. So my hope, my first thought was if Donnie knows, how to make the mutagen and their whole goal is to just convert shredder back. Couldn't he just figure out the antidote or something? Yeah. The anti mutagen. Yeah. But I, when I watched it, he very, and I don't know if they did this intentionally, probably not, but when he says, when he's talking about the chemicals being in the mutagen, he specifically says in the mutagen shredder created bebop and rock steady with, which made me think that maybe it's a different mutagen than what was used to create the turtles and splinter because otherwise why would you specify that it was what he made bebop and rocksteady with yeah did he yeah probably i still think it's a i still think it's a plot hole though because i don't ever remember him taking the mutagen back to like look at it or ever being close enough to shredder and bebop and rocksteady to get a sample of their mutagen when they were i don't know so Mm -hmm. that bothered me but um because what was that last chemical niotrinoline or something yeah, like that yeah, yeah however they called it i did think it had a cool name maybe it's a liquid it is a liquid actually so it belongs on uh up there on the mount rushmore 
That scene was funny though when the frogs were just reading off like, oh, one vial of this and one vial, and yep. then I think they said we got what we came for, and the turtles kicked the door in and said, "You're going to get more than you bargained for." Yeah, which made right. me think somebody thought of that line and then just designed the scene around it. Around it, yeah, yeah. They're like, <laughs> "Oh, this is going to be good. We just got to figure out a way to shoehorn this in here." <laughs> Do you guys own a shoehorn? Yeah, they came with my shoes. Yeah, it's great. Shoehorns are great. Highly recommend. Um, so the frogs get back to their Shredder's sort of hideout area. Shredder begins making the mutagen. He's on the phone with Krang, who's telling him exactly what he needs to do. And then he saves the last rare chemical as a surprise to Shredder to keep him on his toes and basically says, I didn't tell you what the last ingredient is because I want to make sure that you're, you know, basically I'm still in charge here shredder so suck on it uh crane tells shredder exactly where the shipment's going to be and he tells the frogs that they need to destroy the turtles if they run into them but that um you know they need to go get this chemical and the frogs are kind of like well what if we want to talk and just reason with the with the turtles but shredder's not having any of it nope not at all and crane he's still fucking with shredder so i like it i like it he, he's withholding information. He's not giving him, you know, all the cards in the deck. Does it work to Krang's detriment too? Absolutely. But it's still kind of this funny, fun gag that we've got going here now for quite a few episodes. Yeah. Also, Shredder, terrible, terrible form on mixing chemicals together. He's leaning right over the vapors, no hood, just dumping stuff into a beaker and huffing it in. I've I've always wondered though, right? So we're now, this is 13th episode, I think, of the series. Why has Shredder not maybe considered using the mutagen on himself? You know, like that, I've thought about that because even thinking, you know, playing Shredder's Revenge and, and facing off against Super Shredder, like that does happen in the movies. I'm sure it happens in the comics. Um, but it seems like if Shredder thinks he is like going to conquer Earth, I feel like he should just take it into his own hands and stop relying on other people. Because clearly he can't trust anyone. Everyone's yeah. turned his back on Shredder. Unless there's still kind of like a stigma against being a mutant a little bit. And they kind of float in and out of like not being able to show in public or whatever. And it's kind of whatever's convenient to the episode. But I still feel like there is a little bit of a, you don't want to be a mutant at the end of the day. Yeah, yeah I guess that's true. It's still newsworthy, right? It's coming across the AP as freaks. Yeah. Um, but okay, so this is now... We're going to get into player select. Let's kick shout. John's personally created favorite segment, which is a little bit of a wild card. Um, so player select this segment. It's going to be in the spirit of this episode, obviously, that we are, are currently recapping. Um, but specifically, it's going to relate to the fact that Crane gave Shredder part of a mutant recipe, but he left out one of the main ingredients. So we're going to play a little game. Andrew, Chris, you two are working together as a team for this segment. The ultimate goal is to correctly guess the end product based on the list of ingredients that I'll be reading off one by one. I knew this is what was going to become something cooking. As soon as he said ingredients, I knew it. So, well, it's not right. just cooking. So there's there's three categories, food, drink, and other. So there's two options, more or less, in each of those categories. There's one easy, and then there's one hard. So 
you'll we're going to go through all all categories all three of them but tell me where you guys want to start what's the easiest let's start with the, whatever we think is the easiest probably a drink right yeah easy okay. drink or easy is it just drink. you get both of them no matter what yeah you, well, i'll run through both of them okay. so so the earlier that you guess the drink the more points the better well hold on, before though? is this like a shout it out until we're right or we get one guess and then you we're get one I'd, I'd say you get i don't know you get one guess so you can confer all right so we'll discuss and then oh, we'll say official okay. answer all right okay ingredients one and a half ounces of tequila okay could be margarita we don't know i know we know andrew for this <laughs> one ounce <laughs> of orange liqueur yeah, margarita is what I'm thinking. Keep going, though. I need another ingredient. Three quarters of an ounce of fresh lime juice. Yeah, margarita. Yeah, final answer. What said. Lock, lock it in. Final answer, margarita. That is correct. Ding, ding, yeah. ding, ding, ding. John, coming in, Andrew, don't you have your bartender's license or certification or something? Yeah, I am. I mean, it's not official, but I did take a class on bartending yeah. once. Yeah. yeah. Get that, the get last ingredient was just... Last ingredient was simple Salt. syrup to taste. I said it was easy. This next one is hard. I'm telling you, it's really hard. I'm so bad at mixed drinks. <laughs> is is it an alcoholic drink? Like it a cocktail? All right. All right. I might You're I right. might be able to get it. I'll tell you right now. Milk. It's a white Russian. <laughs> okay. Hard. Ingredients. 50 parts. Acertico grape must. One part seawater. Seawater and grape must. Specifically, the Acertico grape must. Acertico. I don't even know what language that is. And salt water. <laughs> what Can, isn't salt water like turn you crazy water. if you drink yeah. it? Yeah. <laughs> oh, one part. You said. Yeah, fifty. You just put parts. a splash. You just put like a little drip. <laughs> It's 50 parts. This thing is 51 parts. It's just wine. It's watered oh. down wine or something. What, what, what was the first ingredient? Some liqueur? 50 grape parts must. of Acertico grape must. Grape must. I don't even know what grape must is. It's got to be like is. a... Must is like all the... Uh, like crushed grapes. Solids, yeah, that are left over. I don't know. I have no idea. I'm going to call... I'm going to just... Yeah, I don't know. Grap, grappo. Grappo. No, I'm not sure what that is. This is the Thalassitis wine recipe, which is the oldest. It's an ancient Greek recipe for wine, which involved adding seawater to freshly crushed grape juice that appeared in writings of Roman history dating back to 149 BC. So Andrew was technically right when he said wine. No, it was the Thalassitis recipe winemakers of the coast island were known to have added seawater to their wine in order to preserve them and give them a pleasant floral note not a wine guy so yeah yeah okay so you you got the easy the hard i'll maybe give you half because i mean it's grapes and water so you wouldn't know it's wine but you didn't so what category would you like to go to next Go to food. We'll save other for the end. Yeah, save other for a while. Surprise. Yeah, good good My idea. least favorite uh, state of, of uh, emotions. Okay. Easy. We'll start with easy. We'll start with easy. 18 wonton wrappers. 
Crab Rangoon. It's going to be Crab Rangoon. <laughs> <laughs> Is that your final answer? We get points you, for answering quick. Uh, yeah, you get more points. Yeah, yeah let's just do it. We'll roll with Final answer: Crab Rangoon is correct. <laughs> <laughs> what were the other ingredients? Crab and Rangoon. Five eighths cup imitation crab, one half cup cream cheese, one tablespoon green onions, and then there's I didn't include all the spices, but yeah, Crab Rangoons. Nice. Which I will say on air, I've said this before: the best Crab Rangoon I ever had was homemade by John in a legitimate deep fryer at our dad's Those house. Were good. The best. I watched a whole thing about the different like wraps that you can have for crab rangoons and which ones are good and which ones aren't good. Yeah, you. I, like I mean, the little you, the little coin cup. purse ones. Yeah, a little crunch on the top. Uh, <laughs> what cheap that is. Besides remembering how good those were, I remember you spent like two hours making that. So yeah. I totally understand why we've never had it again since. Pain in the ass, but so good. Okay, hard, hard food, hard. Here we go. One cup. Tiger nuts raw. Don't even know what those are. One tiger nuts or cup. a tiger's nut? <laughs> tiger nuts. <laughs> it's like tiger a Charlie nuts. Sheen's yeah. thing. Yeah. Uh, one blood. quarter cup honey. Okay. One quarter cup olive oil. One half here. cup. One half cup dates chopped. This is some ancient Greek food. Dates? I don't. I don't know anything with dates. Honey it's nuts. Des- it's some dessert bullshit that John likes. Some like it's honey nuts oil and elitist what? dessert. <laughs> honey. It's honey, olive oil, dates, and tiger nuts. This is. Uh, there's no phyllo dough. This is ancient Greek. Some ancient Greek dessert. I don't know. No. Cookie. Close, but it is the oldest known recipe of the Egyptian times. So historians agree that tiger nuts, which are the edible tubers found at the end of the cypress grass, were the primary ingredient in what could be considered the oldest known Egyptian recipe, which dates all the way back to the 15th century BC. The recipe was obtained from a tomb painting that featured the vizier Rekmir detailing how to make the cone-shaped loaves out of the ground nuts and honey, the cones were shaped to please the sun god Amun on Rekmir's behalf. The correct answer would have been Rekmir's tiger nut cones. This is they older s- than bread. That sounds disgusting. I believe that. <laughs> but it's I crazy because it good. that means they figured out how to make olive oil in f- what was it? What year? This was 15th century 15 BC. BC. It's crazy. I didn't know we had olive oil that long. Isn't olive oil, oil just red. fermented olives? Yeah, but it's just like crushed olives. Crushed olives. I mean, it's easy to say, like to figure out fermentation. Yeah. It's not just crushed. Aren't they fermented too? Mm, I don't know. I don't know. I, I, think, so. I think it's there's, pressed. There's something because you yeah, can pressed. die from olives or you can get sick from olives if you just eat them off the tree. Mm. Yeah. So. Olive oil and bread has been a staple of every single like yeah, culture ever. And it should be because it's delicious. Yes. So that was admittedly where there was right. no way. Those are tough. Those. those are tough. Now, how about the other category? Let's, let's, okay, uh, other. let's build there's, our confidence there's actually, back up. There's actually four here. Oh. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read here. Other. And, and you're not going to know what these are, like category-wise, other than other. So here we go. Mike Myers. Wayne's World. 
What do you say? I didn't even. It was sounded Mike, like a made up he, word. He said Mike Myers. Yeah, Mike Myers. Well, there's a lot of stuff Mike Myers could be in. Could be Shrek. <laughs> could be, but knowing John, it's Wayne's World. Wait, it's he's the only ingredient. No, there's more. I'm just no. waiting if you. I thought it was one of those like Eddie Murphy movies where he's every <laughs> character. All right, we'll wait. We'll wait for one more. Let's see what it is. Dana Carvey. Yeah, lock yeah, it in. Wayne's World. I told you. I unless knew it was a, Wayne's World. Unless he's a fucker and it's Wayne's World too. <laughs> now the correct answer is Wayne's World, so you got yeah. that one right. The other ingredients I had were Tia Carrera, who was the girl. Did she ever do anything after that movie? I feel like she didn't. I don't know. Rob Lowe, Alice Cooper, Aurora, Illinois. And rock music and public access television were all the ingredients in that one. Wayne's World. Great movie. Okay. Next. John Lennon. The Beatles. That's all the only thing I know John Lennon from. I guess it could be one of his songs, maybe. Yeah, let's go one more. Yeah, right, we'll go one more. Paul McCartney. Yeah. Yeah, it's fucking Beatles. Beatles. Yes, it's the Beatles. A Beatles. The Beatles. The Beatles. Okay, you got the Beatles. Next. Joan, Joan. Chris, are you going to pull your weight? I've been guessing every one <laughs> of these correct ones. <laughs> I'm, first of all, I'm lagging, so you're half a second ahead of me. <laughs> okay, next. This is a medium difficulty. Crystal Jones. I don't know what who or what that is. Rosanda Thomas? No idea. This almost no. Go ahead, one more. Tiona Watkins. Is this that fucking list of baseball players John just read the other day? <laughs> no, there's one. Steve more. McDyckel. <laughs> one more. I don't know. I don't Lisa know any Lopez. of those. People. Lisa Lopez. Sam again. So four girls: Crystal Jones, Rosanda Thomas, Tiona Watkins, and Lisa Left Eye Lopez. Oh, TLC. Is that the name of the band? I don't know. I think it's TLC. All right. Lock it in. Send it No up. scrubs. TLC, final answer. TLC is the correct answer. Yeah. Not sure we got it, but I didn't throw in the left eye. Yeah. It's fine. I'll give you a hint. Don't don't okay. go chasing waterfalls, right? Is that yeah. them? It's before yeah. our time. <clears throat> yes. Okay. This is the hard category. Last one, right? Last one. Will Ferrell. Oh, hold on. Chris, if you had a guess, if you had a guess, which we won't lock it in, but. He's going with Superstar, the movie Superstar. I'm thinking old school, but continue. Maybe. It's going to be an obscure Will Ferrell movie. He likes Step Brothers. John was a huge Step Brothers. That's not hard, though. Oh, yeah, that's true. Oh, what? Yeah, go ahead. Continue, John. John C. Riley. Fuck. Okay, so right up. John C. Riley, he's the guy from Step Brothers, right? Is that him? Yeah. But they're in other movies together. They're in Sherlock Holmes. It's yeah. Holmes and Watson, I bet. That fucking movie sucked. I didn't even watch it. All right, we need a third. <laughs> keep, keep it coming. The third and final clue is Ralph Fiennes, who is the actor that played Lord Voldemort. I mean, that could be anyone. Didn't Will Ferrell do like a serious movie at one point? Like what? Uh, yeah, it was all he did in Mexican, um, right? It was all in Spanish or something. Maybe it's that. Oh one. yeah, me Casa de mi Padre. Yeah, let's go with. I don't know. Let's go I with something obscure. I don't think is John C. Riley in that. <laughs> I don't think so. Yeah, actually, that might, that's probably a good one because it's obscure. 
right, yeah, Casa de Mi Padre. That is incorrect. Uh, the correct it? answer. The 2018 box office smash, Holmes and Watson. Chris, <laughs> I knew Chris it. was right. You knew it. I never saw it. On Sir Arthur Conan Doyle's classic mystery featuring Sherlock Holmes and Dr. Watson. Chris, you had Watson. it. Should have gone with your gut. I know. I never saw it, though, and that Voldemort hint didn't help me at all. I mean, I can picture Voldemort, but it's not what that guy looks like. <laughs> yeah. And that is the end of player select. I will say you guys did better. Well, you got what I expected you to get. I guess I'll put it that way. Yeah, the easy ones. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Good stuff. Back to the episode. So, Shredder tells the frogs they need to go get this last rare chemical. We then go to the pier where the anti-turtle attack squad... They have a tank now, just cruising through the city. They also have a tracking device that's tuned into the turtles' biorhythms so that they're able to track the turtles wherever they are. Which is Baxter's device. Didn't he already invent that earlier in the yeah. show? Yeah, when when they when he shrunk the incredible shrinking turtles, he when they got shrunk down, he he got them out of the lake. But I, part of me at this scene was wondering, I forgot about the Baxter thing, but why wouldn't Shredder just pivot and just steal that device? And they not even have to follow through with his plan or integrate his plan on top of that. So he could just get the turtles. Like, I feel like Shredder, Shredder has good ideas and they're sound, but he never executes them to their full potential. And we see that again here. He could easily just beat up Captain Hoffman, take that device. Or maybe you shouldn't have killed Baxter in the first place and just use, use his stuff. I don't know. RIP Baxter. Gone. Gone but not forgotten. So the tanks rolling around the streets. The turtles are back in the blimp. Blimp making another appearance. Uh, they're tracking the shipment. They detach the glider from the blimp, slide down into the streets. They're ready to fight the punk frogs. When the anti-turtle tank rolls up, shows up, blasts the frogs, freezes them into ice and then takes aim to turn and fire at the turtles. Just as it's about to fire, Raph throws his sigh. It redirects the gun up to the building above them, freezes the structure, which then collapses, falls onto the tank, and jams their exit hatch. Yeah, the, the scene where the tank is driving around and Captain Hoffman's crammed in this little tiny seat in the tank is funny because he's he's looking at the gadget basically saying oh they're they must be close and meanwhile they're just in a giant blimp right above his head that says turtles on the side <laughs> and he's using all this high-tech stuff to try and find him when he could just look up in the sky yeah i think the anticlimactic cytos like i thought when that was happening i thought it was going to clog or like explode but instead it just like clanks off the side and all it does is just like move it a few inches and it shoots completely different direction. So I thought that was a little anticlimactic, but I'm glad to see Raph being uh, a factor in, in some of these battles now, even if it's yeah. just something like that. Yeah. A very, very fragile tank that was, yeah, it was just, it wasn't, it was thrown. I thought too, it was going to jam it up like the classic, just, you know, finger in the end of a gun, but it's effective. Um, the turtles really want to escape so they avoid any more confrontation with the anti-turtle squad, but Leo, being the soft-hearted leader that he is, wants to save the turtles from the ice so that they aren't 
captured by the Entry Turtle Squad. So they grab them, escape into the sewer, which I think is because the eventually the, the squad gets out of the tank. They shoot a laser that blows open a hatch. They run into the sewer with the frozen frogs in tow. Yeah, no, leave no fellow mutant behind. That's that's how Leo rolls. Yeah, the only turtle with a conscience, Leo. Yeah, win some points back in my book. Yeah, but Leo's also the only one that's killed a mutant. So maybe this is some sick uh, planning stuff, Chris. You never know. <laughs> it's a good point. We do never know. Um, so they're back in the turtle layer. Splinter basically tells the turtles that if they wish to win over the frogs, that they have to show them trust. So they thaw out the frogs. I think it's. I think it's Leo that unscrews the a little um, steam valve vent. that lets yeah. out some steam. Yeah, which is not how valves work. It just like loosens a pipe magically. Got some loose pipes there. Uh, so the frogs thaw out. They make introductions. They're about to throw down because the frogs are like, hey, you are our enemies. We're about to, to fight you. To which then Splinter steps in, basically tells everyone to stop, tells the turtles to lay down their weapons. Uh, the frogs ultimately realized that Shredder was just using them and that, you know, they trust uh, Splinter and the turtles now. And Leo hatches uh, a genius plan for the rest of the episode. Splinter was very worked up when this fight was about to start. Very worked up. Like yeah, you don't you don't running... fuck around in Splinter's dojo when yeah. he's standing right there. <laughs> he was like running and yelling, I feel like. Or maybe that's just yeah. the way in my head that it played out, but voice of reason as always you know you gotta you gotta love splinter for that uh the punk frogs though it's it's interesting because they're just going with whoever like whatever the 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 person of the minute and whatever they're telling them that's just what they roll with so they're it'll be interesting to see if the punk frogs stay on the good side or if they go back to the bad side if they get tricked by somebody else and they're just they're interesting because they don't like you mentioned earlier it's hard to tell them apart it's partly because they 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 all have one personality. Yeah, there's no distinguish apart from their clothes. Like they just groupthink everything. Maybe that's how frogs are. I don't know. <laughs> it's also kind of like try to clothe the frogs with the holographic projector originally, and this they're like still in the same clothes. It's like how effective is this projector? And is it like object permanence? Like does it create permanent things? Pretty wild. That's a good point because Splinter is or um Shredder rather is already back in his he's yeah. been back in his old clothing for a while. So yeah. It's a good question. Yeah. So Leo hatches a plan. Um basically wants to use the frogs against Shredder. So frogs go back to Shredder's lair and basically tell him that the turtles took the chemical, they're hiding it in Stonewall prison. Um, and that if Shredder wants to go get it they know where it's it's going to be hidden um so that the you know shredder and his goons travel to stonewall prison which is a dead ringer for alcatraz i didn't even notice that yeah it's on like its own little rock island thing yeah wasn't there i do think there though in new york because i remember from law and order isn't rikers rikers island doesn't that exist I don't know if it's it still does, does, yeah. but it yeah, did. there's I don't know I don't know anything about I just know there's Rikers and then there's Sing Sing prison, which I think might be upstate New York, but those are the two like big New York prisons. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But either way, I like the double crossing shredder. For some reason I get enjoyment. Cause didn't that also happen 
or maybe I'm just thinking of this episode. I thought it happened recently where Shredder got tricked again. But uh, Leo with the master plan, I like it. Mm-hmm. Yep. So they go to Alcatraz where the turtles are waiting in the cell. The frogs lead Shredder into the room that supposedly has the hidden chemical, but really just has the hidden turtles. Um, they're about to have fisticuffs when the anti-turtle squad, now in a helicopter, lands on the roof of the prison um, using their biorhythm tracker to track down the turtles. I have here Shredder starts to laugh because he knows the turtles are going to get caught, gives them a Matumbo finger wag, which I thought was interesting. Um, he then uses his holograph machine to make him, Bebop and Rocksteady, look like the anti-turtle squad. They've got sort of the helmets and the the outfit that the anti-turtle squad has so that they're going to blend in. Um, at that point, the turtles and the frogs start running because they want to escape. And I think Leo says that there must be a sewer entrance somewhere around here. As they're running, the squad throws a canister of gas, mutant gas, to stop them, which is this pink or purple fog. The turtles and the frogs start to get a little bit um, fatigued or you know, lacking oxygen. They tell Rasputin to blow um, a hole in the floor with his explosive arrows. He has an unending quiver of arrows here. Um, so they dive in, they get into the laundry room, blow a hole through the floor, dive into the sewer, and then Rasputin pops his head up, shoots an explosive arrow to block the door so that they can't be followed by the anti-turtle squad. The way Rasputin shoots his arrows, I just can't get enough of. There's no drawback on the bow. He's just like dinking little arrows left and right. Yeah, it's just they're exploding. He's blowing holes in the floor. He's like popping back up and shooting the doorway down. He's like a marksman, but it's just such careless shooting. Zero effort put into it. I didn't. I didn't uh, notice that. I'll have to rewatch it. But I did. I was really intrigued with the mutant gas because. I don't understand what the difference between that and just regular like smoke would be in that yeah. situation. Cause it was making him lethargic, but I thought it was more, I guess maybe it's a confusing thing. It's supposed to only affect mutants apparently, but in my head, I just thought if they just fired any canister of gas, like it would have the same outcome. Yeah. He called it mutant gas. And then I think it was Leo was like describing the effects and it was just like a knockout gas. Yeah. Like sweep, sweep gas. Well, I don't know what you call it, sweep gas or whatever. But also, yeah. great plan by Leo to turn the frogs. But just like you just say surprise when Shredder opens the door, there's nothing else in place for that. Bad, good plan, bad execution. Yeah, good, good build up. <laughs> Poor execution. I agree. Yeah. Um, it's also, I find it improbable that this island prison would have a sewer system hooked up to the rest of the city. I would have to imagine they'd be on their own separate. Depends how system, close they were. But I don't know how any of that waste treatment stuff works. You think they just dump it into the ocean? No, I think they would just have their own. Like I'm sure they would, could dig down far enough and get a well. So in the 80s, wouldn't... in the 80s, I'm pretty sure they were just dumping that into the ocean, Chris. Yeah, maybe the waste. It's into the Hudson, know. presumably here. Anyways. So the final scene, we're back in the turtle lair. The turtles and the frogs have returned. The, the frog, punk frogs are very keen on getting back to the 
Okefenokee swamp. So Leo is giving them directions. He tells them to go through the sewers, get into the old underground railroad, rare railroad, underground railroad, and they'll have um, a straight path back to the Okefenokee swamp, which buddy that's not how the it's not an actual yeah. underground railroad leo that part was wild just throwing yeah. the underground railroad yeah. in there just because it said underground basically yeah. incredible yeah i didn't know what to think when they said that i just kind of ignored it and because <laughs> yeah. i had it's a whole lot of comfortable comment yeah yeah it's but yeah um and then in the final sort of uh fleeting moments of the episode mikey as they're leaving goes to give them a pizza um and they're like, oh, we hate pizza. We're not going to eat that. Um, we never actually see what the pizza is. So I'm not sure we have one to add to the wheel. Uh, Mikey makes, he makes a comment, basically says, you know, you guys can have a pizza before you get back to the bug infested swamp that you're going to. Kind of a dig at the tur- at the frogs. Um, but yeah, turtles chow down and then end of episode. Yeah, frogs don't like pizza. More for Mikey. Yeah, more out. contrast there is, you know, they're, like I said before, Western, medieval, um, totally pizza. So I can't wait you... till the frogs come back. I'm a, yeah. I'm a frog fan. That's what I was going to ask. What do you What do you think of the frogs? Obviously, um, there are ups and downs in this episode, but in general, are you a fan? Are you buying? Or are you selling the frogs? Absolutely, giant buying. traders. But I'm I'm in on them. They just I just like them. I like their yeah. I like the way they look. I like. Yeah. How like kind of dumb with yeah. they are. Yeah. Just they're just easy going, like, yeah, we'll do whatever. Yeah. Yeah, they're great. I agree. See, I thought this episode I like the frogs too. Um if I recall, they don't appear in a whole lot of episodes. Um, and for some reason I thought this one had uh Leatherhead mm. in it, uh, but it did not. So that was a that was a great surprise. A little bit less action. Little step down from the action in the last two episodes, but whoever's writing these episodes six, seven, and eight, man, crushing it, crushing it. And I, I go ahead, John. I was gonna say, I did find it interesting. Like, you know, the, the goal is to get the mutagen so that they can trans, transform Splinter back into a human, but it's like for the turtles, they don't want to go back to being just turtles, and presumably, they don't really give a shit that the frogs would want to go back to being frogs so it kind of gets to the you know rules for thee but not for me where they you know it's really just splinter that we're we're worrying about but not any of the other mutants those are loyal um loyal sons yeah also it if their goal is to turn splinter back they don't really seem to be doing much outside of just hunting down shredder and trying to fight him like there's no real effort going on apart from just reacting. Which now that you say that, maybe that's what Donnie's been working on. That's why he's so familiar with the mutagen, is maybe he's like in his lab trying to figure out what turned them into mutants so he can figure out how to undo it. That's the only thing I could play with. But I agree with you. They're really just reacting. They're not being proactive. Which I give I give Shredder as like poorly as his plans turn out. He's the only one that's like committed to the game of just whatever it takes. What it, like he's he's impatient and he's angry, but he's just he's down for his cause. Yeah, never give up, Shredder. Never give up. Yeah. I it's timely though you mentioned that because the 
next episode is called Splinter No More. Ooh. So maybe that's some foreshadowing to uh, demutating, Chris. I don't know. We'll see. Ooh, I was just thinking Splinter dies, but yeah, that can't happen because we're not far yeah. enough in the show. So now we're, we're going to get into turtleisms. Cowabunga! Chris, would you please lead us in the tur- yeah. in the turtle? I had there was a cowabunga that I recall. There was a couple tubulosos, which I thought was interesting because there were two specific references made to how great the surfing is in Florida. And I'm pretty sure that the surfing is not great in Florida. Yeah, I'm not a surfer, but if I had to guess, like most of the rest of Florida, the surfing sucks. Yeah. Because Florida, Um, I'm a big seller on Florida. I don't know. Are you guys buyers or seller of Florida? I'm not a big Florida guy. I don't like hot weather and it's humid down there too. I just I never I never understood the draw about Florida. Other than warmth, I get it, but it's a legitimate like rainforest there. It rains every day. It's humid as can be. Yeah, it's a swamp for half of it. Half the state is people retired from the Northeast. The other half are people that are from there that want to get out. So I don't know. <laughs> not in the not into it, but tubuloso was totally tubuloso. Actually, was one thing that Mikey uttered. Do you have anything else, Chris? Um, there was, I'm trying to think when they were running from the police, they said something like we have to make turtle tracks or something like that. Yeah. Turtle tracks. That was Raph. That's correct. Um, I think we got a tin, tin face or a can head or something in there. Tin face by Donnie. That's all I can shred, remember. Turtles fight with honor. Ralph. Maybe Leo. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Leo, Leo dropped a turtles fight with honor. Rock said he said turtle soup. Nice little insult. Different from shellback, um, which we did have by shredder. Calbunga, we already got Hall Shell by Mikey. Yeah, I had a Bebop said it's turtle trashing time. Nice. Which I thought I liked. It is kind of funny how many of their insults are about eating each other. There's a lot of turtle soup, and then the frogs, they kept talking about like frying up frog legs and eating them, which is a kind of a crazy thing to say to somebody when you're about to fight them. Like, I'm going to eat you. <laughs> I had I had from Raph time to do the turtle trot, which oh, I'm sure turtle trot doesn't nice. make a comeback. But I forget what, <laughs> I forget what he said. I think that's up. when they were running at after the after they defeated the anti turtle squad. I think that's when he said that. And then I, Mikey had an Asta Lumbago dudes. Mikey's got a lot. Mikey's yeah. got a lot of turtleism. So. So I feel like I did my part in that turtleism. So now let's get to the my favorite segment, the villain power rankings. For people that are watching on YouTube, we actually have a new and improved villain power ranking slide presentation. I, boom. Aaron, Guarantee you, Dave is the type that watches on YouTube. So be like Dave. Check out our YouTube. Go to uh, youtube.com and just type in TMNT Shellcast. You'll see everything. The graphics on the, like looking at the screen right now, we're crushing. I don't really have anything to do with this because I haven't done any of them, but the graphic department is just crushing. Now it's just, now it's just big Chris. What happened here? (laughs) Are you doing that on purpose? (laughs) <laughs> no, it was a complete accident, but it's actually pretty funny. It worked out that way. I thought you I were meant... doing with that just as I was talking about the graphics. You know, <laughs> my face no, I meant, I meant to hit the mute button. 
um, yeah. So, uh, falls in line, you know, John, John's being modest here. He created this, but, um, like much of our other website or, um, podcast related stuff, we, we pull heavily from the TMNT video games. So we've got shredder. This is the scene from turtles in time or hyperstone heist when Shredder's like in his little robot thing and he's sh- shooting at you. So looks good. Nice job, John. Yeah, very nice. Yeah, that's done there. So um, just as a, a quick recap, how we'll do this will be, we'll run through current rankings. Um, we'll debate a little bit on who is going to come on here, who would be villains, uh, and then we can slot them in. But the way that we've organized this, we've got one through 10 um, on the left here. So starting from the top, best to worst so far we've got baxter sockman slash the fly and number one number two is shredder and iroku saki three is krang four is the mutant plant five is the eye of sarnoth monsters six pizza monsters seven bebop and rocksteady eight general dragon granitor nine roadkill rodneys and ten mousers we've then taken the remaining five at least at this point uh we've moved them off to the right just due to inactivity due to non-appearances uh we'll still we'll we've still kept them in the order that we rank them but they're just off to the right um for people's yeah. viewing pleasure but it includes omnis knucklehead punks crooked ninja turtle gang and the foot soldiers yeah part of part of that was just out of um ease moving forward because we're going to get more and more villains so we don't want to be going through a hundred rankings but also it's kind of like uh, you know, th- those are the reserves on the bench. They're you know, they're staying warm to come into the game. They may get bumped up if they you know they get a chance. They may just stay there for the rest of their lives and retire and never play. Yeah. Play minutes. Like so the we'll Pro see. Bowl alternates. That's what I would yeah. think of them as. Pro Bowl alternates. There you go. Yeah. So I guess the first maybe let's talk about who we want to consider for this week as villains to rank because that might play into how we sort of go through this. But I think the two up for debate would be the anti-turtle attack squad. I think they're definitely on there. Yeah, yeah, they're, they're definitely the one. Yep. And then the punk frogs. I think we put the punk frogs on. Yeah, they were villainous. I agree. I think we put them on there. Because why not? Okay. Okay, so we can slot them in. But how do we? Where do we want to start here? No Baxter. R.I.P. Yeah, so do we, uh, as usual, let's look at the existing board and see if we want to move anyone. And I can really... kind of see Shredder moving up, maybe, if you guys are in agreement. I can see it staying where it is, but if somebody's going to move, I think Shredder moves up past Baxter. Yeah, I just don't know if Shredder did enough, though. Like, I, I don't disagree, because Shredder put a nice plan together. But in terms of actual outcome besides mutating four more creatures, I, I don't think he accomplished a whole lot. The only other thing I think, and this I don't know if this makes him villainous, but the way he slipped out of the turtle's trap was very impressive. Yeah, with the hologram and turning into... Yeah. yeah. That's he the only other thing trained, I can think of. He trained the punk frogs in a very short amount of time to be good fighters. Yeah. And he got to Florida in like record time and back. <laughs> And like to be honest, he trained Bebop and Rocksteady. They were doing pretty good until he called them off at the beginning of the episode. So he kind of like hurt himself and helped himself there. But I I, I can see if it's not enough to get him above Baxter because Baxter had 
honestly just an incredible run for a couple episodes there, <laughs> which was like, it reminds me of like UCLA in the 70s when they just won 16 championships in a row. But if somebody's yeah. going to move, I would say Shredder would move up. Yeah, I don't know how John feels. I would say, in my, in my personal opinion, I keep Shredder at like 1B and maybe in the next episode, because if Baxter presumably is gone, um, Shredder is probably going to jump up with any sort of uh, success. So that'd be I'd my... I'd like to see a little bit of consistency from Shredder before we put him yeah. up in number one spot. That's yeah. fair. Yeah, and otherwise, I think every, everything else stays the same. I don't know if Bebop and Rock City... I mean, they, they broke a bunch of stuff. I don't think they did a whole lot to, to move ahead of the pizza monsters, though. Yeah, not at this point. Yeah, I agree. They did trip up the turtles, though. They didn't catch them, and they didn't really fight them. But Again, I think a little spots. more. They've, they were kind of in Dimension X, inactive for a little bit. So yeah, maybe you'll we'll see a little more out of them before they start climbing the board. Okay. Okay. So then, so I think we've got no changes then. Yep, to the current, and now we're going to talk about the Punk Frogs and the Anti-Turtle Squad. Okay, whatever. let's start with the Punk Frogs. Boom. Dead last. Where? Dead last? Yeah, they're Benedict Arnold's. Yeah. yeah. He completely turned on Shredder. Yeah, that's true. But is that super villainous? I know we talked about this with Crane, too. Yeah, we talked about that with Crane. I do think though they they did get captured by or they got frozen, um, and then the turtles kidnapped them basically before they became friends. So I think any pro from betraying your evil villain leader um, probably gets negated by getting captured and frozen. Yeah, and also yeah. they kind of always did everything reluctantly. They you could always they always hinted that they had good morals. So I don't think they're truly villainous at all. Yeah, yeah. So I would, I would agree. I'd put him probably at the end. Okay, dead last. I agree with that. So, so the question now is the, and what's their official term? The anti turtle squad. Yeah. Or, yeah. Anti turtle attack squad. Anti turtle attack squad. ATAS for short. <laughs> so, let's recap what they did. Drove a tank around. They froze the punk frogs, but they're in last place, so they're not that effective. They got beat up by the turtles. Well, at least the tank did. They didn't catch the turtles. They landed the helicopter through the mutant gas. So they've got some pretty good tools and weapons. They've got a helicopter, a tank, the tracker, and the gas. But they were pretty ineffective. And I think... Didn't didn't Hoffman, Captain Hoffman, say at the end that the mayor wasn't going to like that? So he was kind of a little bitch boy. Yeah, this is like a big. They had a big unveiling party for these guys, and they did not deliver. Although technically, they did catch the guy the mayor was after. It's just it wasn't the turtles that they thought they were; they were the frogs. But they didn't. They froze them. They didn't catch them though. Yeah, true. That's a good point. Yeah, I think. F- because of all those deficiencies, I would put them. Uh, I think they're below the Crooked Ninja Turtle gang. The question is, are they below the Foot Soldiers, and are they second to last? In my in my mind, because I, um, I don't know. I'm yeah. I'm honestly the Foot Soldiers, apart from that very first episode where they captured April. Have they yeah, even they appeared? I don't think. 
first couple episodes and that's been it. Yeah. They're in Dimension X though. Chris, yeah, where, I'm fine. Where are you thinking? Or John, where are you thinking? Because I could be convinced. I mean, for all these reserves, they all suck mostly yeah. and they have a high potential, but you know, they they don't deliver. So I could kind of you could I could argue they could go almost anywhere in there. But what's what's interesting is that we're putting them in villains, but they're like cops. Like they're Yeah. Theoretically. Yeah, villains, I get what you're saying. I I, there, I think. Yeah, I just look at it. Are they uh a protagonist or an antagonist to the yeah, turtles? Yeah. Is the way I yeah, look at it. And they're just seen like Captain what the hell's the guy's name? Hoffman. Hoffman. Like there's some it feels like there's something personal there. I also don't think this is the last we see of them. It feels like there's more to come. So I I mean I'm fine with what Andrew said, putting them under the crooked ninja turtle gang and hoping or knowing that they're gonna make an appearance again. Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah, and Captain Hoffman, voiced by Jim Cummings, who Oh, that's Winnie the Pooh. Is in fact a voice actor for a whole lot of stuff, but Pete from Mickey Mouse for sure. Um, so yeah, Jim Cummings. Well done. Yeah, he does a bunch. He does like Winnie the Pooh, Tigger, all those guys. Very nice. So we've got our, our updated rankings now. No change to the top 10. And we slotted the Anti-Turtle Squad at third to last and the Punk Frogs at last place at 17. Yeah, we, we need a real threat. I feel like we've gotten a lot of these, you know, B-list bad guys um, outside of, you know, obviously Baxter, Shredder, and Krang, who I think are legit. Everyone else has kind of been just meh. Yeah, part of the problem is, like, apart from Bebop and Rocksteady in the top three, there haven't been any real recurring bad yeah. guys. They're all one-offs. Yeah, and I think that plays into what we talked about in early episodes, which was this is all, like, the cartoon was just to sell the toys, was really the or the original motivation behind it so it makes sense that they're introducing new people every episode because then they could create a new toy and sell it or you know already sell the toys that they have and just make them more desirable so yeah which i'm torn on because i like all the different monsters and stuff they think of but also for the plot line it would be better to have a little more development yeah agreed but i do think our good the the best villains are still coming up to me the rat king is good i like leatherhead We'll have Slash at some point. I mean, there's a lot of good things to come. Um, and we're also through season two. I know there's still, you know, I guess five episodes left. So there's still a month of podcasting to do. But once we get to season three, which was syndicated and is something like 40 something episodes, that's where I, I, if I remember correctly, a lot of the reappearances of the villains and and working on some of those plots a little bit uh, more intensely start to happen. Uh, there's 65 episodes. It's insane. Is that right? It's more than one a week. Oh, no. 65 minus 18. So 47. That makes more sense. Yeah, it's 47. Very nice. So that wraps up our villain power rankings for this episode. And now we will get into the pizza time spin. Somewhat controversial here. So we've got a Twitter poll. So we're now into the phase where we're, we've got a recording timeline and we've got Twitter polls up so that people can vote. 
not getting a lot of interaction thus far. So we got to grow that fan base. Um, so that part, part of the reason is because if you looked in the stream of consciousness for anyone listening, the poll went up before the episode air and closed before the episode aired. So that so in theory, we went back in time. You'd have to go yeah, back in so time to, I, to vote on this poll. <laughs> I will mea culpa as the runner of the Twitter poll. My logic was flawed. So I will volunteer. Even though I did not lose the poll, I want that to be clear. You I also voted the for yourself. I Yeah. After I, we said. I, yeah. But I admitted it. It was reflex because I'm so used to voting for myself that I immediately said I voted for myself. First of all, John was watching it like a hawk. Because <laughs> I, I, I posted the poll and I instantly voted for myself. And I get a text from John saying... Chris voted for himself. I don't know how he saw it that fast. I don't know. But before I could even type out that I screwed up. So I will I will throw myself at the mercy of the pizza wheel this week. I will make sure that the poll is open through even our recording of the episode. So there are ample chances to vote. And I will pin the poll to the top of the Twitter thread so it is readily available for anybody that goes to the Twitter page. Perfect. So I think listeners can expect. So our, the, I don't think we've ever talked about this on air, but our our goal with the podcast is release a new episode every Wednesday. Obviously, there's going to be some um, that don't happen, some weeks off. There's going to be some delays, but in general, we'll get a podcast episode up most Wednesdays, and that's when theoretically the poll will also go live to to coincide with that, and then you can vote through the rest of the week, we typically record on, on Sundays on the weekends. Um, so theoretically it should run through the weekend. Um, but you live and you learn Chris fucked up. So now he has to deal with the consequence. Yeah. At this point too, we've all I so fucked we've up. done. We've done 12 up, pizzas. Drafted a Mick for <laughs> we've done 12 episodes. We've all completed four pizza times eating. So the parody continues. I need mean, hose. There's really not a lot of good options left on this wheel. Yeah. So we've got, I think there were 17 last time. So maybe 16 now, 17 entries. Um, not going to go through them all, but we've got some really interesting ones like peanut butter and jelly. We've got sashimi, tofu, bean sprout. And then we've got the boring ones like pepperoni, meatball, extra olive. Um, so Chris, do you want to shuffle or do you want to go straight up? No, let's go straight up. All right. And what are you what are you hoping for? What are you not hoping for? I want sashimi or I honestly would like an anchovy. I do not want the mint, the gazelle yeah, anchovy mint. one. Yeah. I mean odds are you're gonna get an anchovy. There's three three on the wheel. So spinning. Lots of options. What is that? No cheese, just sauce. This is going. I prefer what, what, a saucy pizza. That's the um. What's that? Party pizza? Is that? How the hell am I going to make that? Yeah, you should just order a party pizza. I'm just going to order. A che- I'm going to have to go to a non my not normal pizza place because I don't want them to think I'm a freak. <laughs> <laughs> just going to get a, a sauce pizza delivered. Yeah, it uh, says. Yeah, if you Chris, if you just uh, not Chris listeners. If you just Google party pizza, Rhode Island, 
that's what I expect you to be to bring to so the table. Chris, Those you aren't need to drive. You got to drive to Rhode Island and pick up a pizza and bring it. <laughs> bring it's it basically back. a Sicilian pizza with no cheese on. Well, it's also it's also known as bakery pizza. Yeah. So the, I guess the question is, do you go authentic slice or do you just go frozen pizza and just rip the cheese off? No, I'll go. And this is to be clear, this is no cheese. This is not extra sauce. It's just correct. No cheese. However okay. much sauce you want. It's a no cheese pizza. Well, I feel like once you take the cheese off a of pizza, you're surprised at how little sauce is on there. So I'm going to order a pizza with no cheese because I think that means they'll put more sauce on it. I mean, if you look at these bakery style pizzas, there's a lot of sauce on them. Yeah. I like a lot of sauce. Yeah. Could be worse. That's right. not, that's probably the middle of the pack of things I'd want. Yeah, that's I, I don't know, that's pretty good. That that just sauce was from our last episode. So that wraps up pizza time spin. Um, and now we're in the outro. So I thought it was a good episode. I had uh, a few notes for the writers, the directors. So I'll I'll um I'll send those into them. There was actually one, uh, you know, more or less Easter egg that was in the episode where when they were interviewing the mayor of New York in the background on the building was Kubiak. Oh, really? I didn't even catch that. Just the director, yeah. It's just a little... little I was going to look up and see who the mayor was at the time to see if they did an accurate depiction, and then I forgot about it. Yeah. So any uh, any parting thoughts from you guys? Well, as I mentioned earlier, next episode is Splinter No More. I was just looking at the writer. So it's Michael Reeves. And Michael Reeves also wrote Invasion of the Punk Frogs. Oh. So should be a good episode. Case of the Killer Pizzas, who wrote that one, Enter the Fly. Should be a good episode. I mean, overall, um, I'm looking forward to kind of fleshing out um, this whole shredder. I'm sorry, splinter demutation thing. And I think that's what's coming up next based on the title. Um, see if the, the turtles are successful in doing that or exactly how that whole thing goes. And then how does that change the dynamic of the show moving forward? If it does happen, I don't know. Yeah, I'm curious because I think, I forget how many episodes are in season two. I think we're coming up on the end. So I'm curious if they start to build, because there's a big, at the end of last season where, Shredder got launched into Dimension X. So I'm curious if they start to build the plot to kind of get a finale in for this season or not. Yeah, that's true. I mean, will we ever see Baxter again? That's that's a good question too. Yeah. Or the punk frogs for that matter, you know? I hope we see Baxter. I miss him. I miss the little guy. Yeah, I would you know, I know this is about the frogs and I like the frogs, but I didn't like Baxter at first. But Baxter might be my favorite villain right now. Yeah, snarky Baxter is the best version of Baxter. Yeah, yeah like unsettled, you know, throwing quips. Yeah. Um, but the punk frogs, I, th- I think, are welcomed. It's nice to have allies for the turtles. I feel like we haven't had a whole lot of allies that are especially mutants. So, so we're kind of seeing these super teams form, you know, Shredder and his mutants and then the turtles and theirs. Yeah, plus I the neutrinos who like just into the ether haven't heard from them in a while so curious it's funny because the way they describe dimension x 
isn't ever how you see it now of like this ultimate battlefield. It's just always, I mean, you get the close up shot of the technodrome and everything, but it just seems like it's a red planet. Mm-hmm. Yeah. John, anything you're specifically excited or surprised about? I think, um, I mean, I definitely want to hope Baxter comes back. We'll see. I don't know. I feel like Bebop and Rocksteady are going to take bigger roles just because they're back in Earth. Um, and then, you know, there's a little bit of foreshadowing on Return of the, returning the Technodrome from Splinter. So I feel like we got a lot going on. So I'm excited. Yeah. And just just to um, plant the seed of, of uh, interest, I guess, we've got Splinter No More. New York shiniest teenagers from Dimension X, the Catwoman from Channel Six, and Return of the Technodrome are the last five episodes. So we're building towards something. We'll see what it is. Uh, I definitely encourage people to watch along with us. It it would um, be great to receive a listener voicemail on the on the Turtlecom. Uh, one way you could do that you could watch the episode. You could. Go to our website, tmntshellcast.com. Click on the Turtlecom voicemail button, the big green one, right there on the front page. And then uh, leave us a question. Or even, Dave, if you're out there. Dave, if you watch this episode and call in and suggest a segment topic, we will do it. We will absolutely do it. I like that. Yeah. Yeah. Or anyone. I mean, it doesn't have to be Dave. Be like Dave. Be a good uh, award-winning listener. But anybody that calls in, has an idea, comment, we'd love to do it. Maybe we'll even get so many some someday that we'll do a whole episode of just Trollcom voicemails. Yeah. And you do uh, harass the roommate. She has not been listening to the podcast. Not, an, award, not an award-winning listener. It is a busy time of year, so I'll, I'll give her that. But Yeah, and what better way yeah. to work than while listening to a great podcast? Yeah. That's what I'm saying. It's funny. Although she does hear some of it just as we're recording. So yeah. she gives feedback. She laughs. Things are funny. So we're doing we're doing something, but we gotta get those. We gotta pad the stats here. So cool. All right. Well, good show. Well, good show. We'll see yeah. you guys next week. See you in a week. Cal- Calbunga. <laughs>